This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the All-Star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. And today we're going to have Tori Lovello, the manager of the Arizona Dimebacks, former manager for the Kansas City Royals and World Series champion Ned Yost, and a guy that hit arguably the biggest hit in the history of baseball, at least one of them, in 2001. Luis Gonzalez, the five-time All-Star, of course, with the game winner in Game 7 against the New York Yankees. It's been a struggle for the D-backs, but we always love having former A, Tori Lovello, on the program. Well, it's great to see you. Hope life has been good for you. I appreciate the time, man. I always enjoy it with you guys. And, um, you know, when I got got word that you wanted to sit down and chit-chat, I was honored. So um, things are going all right. You know, uh, baseball season is and the grind is upon us and uh, probably – the grind times 10 right now, but we're going to figure a way out of this. Well, you know, I think for a lot of us, no matter even what your record is, just the fact that we're playing again and we have a full season and you got fans in the stands and you guys have had a lot of fans in the stands. That's been great to see in Arizona. For sure. You know what? Um, the baseball industry is back up and running. Um, you know, and each state has their, their guidelines and slowly but surely we're starting to get all of our fans back and, it's been great to have them back, and we missed them. We missed our fans in Arizona, but when we you know, come to any visiting stadium, we missed all baseball fans. And I think for the industry to uh, be playing in front of their fans and, and doing the things that we do every single day, uh, it's good for everybody's soul and everybody's mind. And it tells us that normalcy is slowly trickling back to us, and hopefully uh, sometime sooner than later, later we're going to see full stadiums in every, in every state that we go to. You know, I think about last year, these players essentially playing in front of cardboard cutouts and then now getting the fans in again. I mean, you forget about that adrenaline and what that adrenaline does for players, especially as we get later in the season and you're a little sore, you're a little tired, but the fans get you going. So just talk about what that's been like for your players. I know our players have been like, thank God we got fans back. Yeah, you know, um, it's you're hitting exactly right. the, the ambient noise and, and all the, everything that was kind of put out there for us to feel like there was some normalcy last year is now being placed with, with the real thing. And you can't place, replace the, the support of the fans. Um, and you hear everything. And you're right. In those critical moments, they can give you a little bit of a boost, a little bit of a push to make you feel good about something that you're doing well. Uh, or visiting stadium, you you know, you get the booze. But that that's, <laughs> that's what baseball is all about. Um, look, you, you Coming coming into Oakland last year, there was there was no party in right field. I missed that. I missed their 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 bump. I missed the 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 music they play, the sh- the shouting and the chanting. So super excited to be back here and hear them hear them getting after it once again. Well, I'll tell you what, their fan favorite Josh Reddick is in the building. Are we gonna? Yeah. Ha- we haven't seen the lineups yet, but if he goes out there, they're gonna go nuts. 
Yeah, for sure. I know that it was a little bit like that with Stephen Vo last year. Um, and I asked voter if they would, if they would probably sing the, we believe, we believe in Stephen vote chant. And, uh, I guess he talked to the, the main guy and he said, we will never, ever officially root out loud for a visiting player. It's just against our nature, but I know red was really good here for a long time. I'm sure there's going to be something I'm going to be keyed in on it because I know what that group already said, the voter, we'll see what they do tonight, but I know he's excited to be back here. He's been visiting with everybody, but I know when he, when he gets between the white lines, he's going to want to get after. It. So what was that like reuniting with him? Well, it was pretty fun for me. You know, I had read as a young player in um, in the Red Sox system, and uh, I always thought very highly of him. I thought that he was loaded with talent. He would he was young and would do some unbelievably quirky things that you would be like, "What was that, Red?" And then, you know, as I watched him play and grow and and mature, he eliminated all those quirky odd moments and became a very consistent performer. You know, he was he was a mainstay here in Oakland. He played great defense, had some huge knocks, and some big moments for this organization. So. Glad to be back with him. He's he's definitely matured a little bit. I can see that the, the processor slowed down. He's got he's got that that you know mindset that he's got to go out there and play under control and have good moments. And he's just a good baseball player. Good to be back with him. What's it like for you to come back to the Coliseum? Yeah, I always love coming back here. You know, I spent almost a full baseball season here and got a chance to to see these fans and see what this this organization organization does so well. So coming back here is always very special for me. Um, and, you know, I, they're in the other league, so I can silently root for them and, and see what they're doing. I'll, I'll go ahead and say that I do that. But there's just good people here. You know, it starts with Billy Bean. He uh, he was obviously the GM here when I was here, and he just did a great job of building this franchise and helping it get to what it is today. And I know that David's now in charge, and I practically grew up in the same neighborhood as David, so we kind of crossed paths a little bit. So I have a very soft spot for a lot of reasons when we come back here. Yeah, because you understand, and a lot of people in baseball understand, we've talked to Billy about this, is that the hurdles here in Oakland, I, they are what they are. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just different than a lot of organizations. And the fact that they've all been doing it, Bob Melvin just passed, Tony La Russa, I mean, they've been doing it with so many different players, so many different ways. Uh, when you went over the scouting reports, going, getting ready for the series, how is Oakland different from the last time you saw them? Well, I will say this. You're right. I think Bo Mel and David and Billy have done an unbelievable job for so many years. And um, they mix and match guys as good as anybody that I've ever seen. And look, they're, they're challenged in a lot of ways, um, a lot of similar ways to the Arizona Diamondbacks. We we unfortunately um, you know, don't have a lot of extra funds to go out and, and get these high price free agents. And um, this is this is the mold. This is this is the standard setter that the, the A's have been doing it at this level this way for a long period of time. So the game plan against them is very challenging. They have practically two teams. It's like it's a line change. You get one group in and then you get the next group in and they're all going to get that perfect matchup. And they've been designed that way. So these players walking in here understand what their roles are. And you end up having these players with these career years and you can't explain it. It's just good management. That's really what it comes down to for me. You guys are playing in a really tough division because I can tell you up here, nobody saw the San Francisco Giants doing this. We, we, we knew the Padres would be good. We knew the Dodgers would be good. But you got a three-headed monster in your division. It's not an easy division. Yeah, you know what? The NL West is very rugged. I came from the AL East, um, and it reminds me of that, you know, with the, with the Yankees, the Red Sox, and Tampa Bay. And it's obviously shifted now. Um, but at that point in time, it was, you know, you get, you get into that – into that division, um, and it's just beat each other's brains in and, and uh, let, let the strongest survive. But, yeah, those guys, those three teams have done an unbelievable job. 
And look at what's happened across the bay here is, is not anything anybody predicted. It was everything Padres, everything Dodgers, deservedly so. So Gabe and his group over there across the bay, they deserve a lot of credit. But we know when we get into that division, we got to be at our best, and that's what I always expect from our guys. You know, speaking about growing up in Southern California, can you imagine if you were a kid now and you got Trout, the best player in the game, you got Shohei Otani doing stuff that no one's ever seen before. It's just it's magical. Mm-hmm. Then you throw in all the guys on the Dodgers, and now you got Fernando Tatis and Manny mm-hmm. Machado. The amount of talent in Southern California. Our game is at a good place. Real good place, right? Um and there was a point in time I was like, why are all the best players transitioning to the to the NL West? Keep them out. I, I'm tired of those. was tired of Betts and Machado, right? Keep them out of here. But, look, um, it's fun to watch some of the best players perform and have the best seat in the house. I'm in the opposing dugout watching these guys perform. And what it also does is it raises our level of expectations. When we see these guys perform, we know what greatness looks like. And I want our guys to see that. We have really good young players in our organization that are eventually going to take the next steps and be that that type of player themselves. And if you see it and learn it, uh, learn from it firsthand, I think that's the fastest learning curve. You know, we all go through this. We go through spurts where you got a couple of years in the postseason, and then you do a couple of years where you're not in the postseason. And just, you know, from where what you're doing with your team right now, I remember when we talked at the winter meetings in San Diego about the culture in the clubhouse. And I got to mm-hmm. think you're, you, you and your staff are doing a lot of teaching right now. When you got a young team and you know you're not always going to be on the winning end, but it, it's the great teaching moments that propel you going forward. Just talk about what you, what you and your staff are doing with a lot of these young guys. Yeah, you're nailing it. Um, we want to win baseball games. Look, we still know there's 100 games left in the season and anything's, anything's possible. But while we're in this, um, we're going to continue teaching. And, you know, eventually you get to that level where the players start to do things well on their own, but you're always going to posture them and be there for those teaching moments. But especially while we're going through this time, right, I'm with the staff every single day talking about, you know, we got to fight every single day because of some very difficult circumstances that are out of our control or in our control. But we got to be great teachers because we can't let these guys go uh, rogue, figure out things on their own. We want to make things happen as quickly as possible. So, yes, there are a ton of conversations with players on a daily basis. I don't like a lot of team meetings, so we kind of break them up into smaller groups or have individual conversations. But on a daily basis, I'll have two or three players at a time um, coming into my office to talk baseball just to go over different situations. And I know the coaching staff is doing the exact same thing. Well, ever since San Diego, we've been running a promo here on A's Cast of your your hilarious story about being sent down on your birthday by Art Al. Man, man, Art, that's cold. <laughs> you got a great memory, right? I'll never forget. We were in Toronto, and I'm, the story is like I could tell it again. Scott Brocious got me a, got me a great lunch in downtown Toronto, and and we were going to get together as a group afterwards and have a really nice dinner. And I remember walking out of Art's office and saying, "Boys, I, I hate to ruin the party." I'm on my way back to San Francisco. I, I got shipped out, so I'm going I'm going to Edmonton. That's where the AAA was, but um, that's what happens in baseball. I remember meeting with Billy that next couple le- couple days later as I was getting my stuff out of my house here in, in Oakland, and he said, you know, I'm sorry, man. That's just how baseball is, and I get it. That's how this game can treat you once in a while. Well, we don't secretly, we openly root for you. You're our National League team. You've been so good to us here on A's Cast, so we're rooting for you guys, and hopefully you start beating these guys in the National League well, in the National League West. Be well, be safe, and let's talk soon. Likewise. Always a pleasure, you guys. Talk to you soon. Ned Yost was the manager of the Kansas City Royals the last time they won the World Series and had great success being with the Atlanta Braves. He's now retired. The man has earned it. What a career. Here is Ned Yost, a guy who grew up in the East Bay. 
Ned, it's great to bring you back home to the East Bay. How are you? We're doing great. We're doing great. Um, you know, missed the Bay Area, grew up there and got a lot of great memories there. And, uh, you know, still have family there. But uh, love life in Georgia, too. Oh, I bet. Yeah, I bet you're enjoying retirement, especially after just some strange stuff in Major yeah, uh, you know, if I'd have known that re when I retired last year, it would have shut the game down for, you know, half the season. Uh, you know, I might have thought about staying on an extra year, you know, with the COVID and stuff. But, um, you know, it was uh, it, it's been it's been it's been everything I expected and love every second of it. Well, you earned it. And I, I think about the job you did in Kansas City, reviving that great franchise, because all of us remember back in the day with George Brett and the boys and those legendary battles with the Yankees. And then they just went for so long not being competitive. What was it like reviving the, the Royals to a point if it wasn't for Madison and Bumgarner, you could add two World Series rings with, with the Royals? Well, it, you know, we could see it coming. We saw it coming in 2010 when we had uh, Eric Hosmer and Mike Moustakis and Salvador Perez and all those kids in the minor leagues. We knew that, uh, or at least we had a fairly good idea that those kids were going to get to the big leagues and, uh, uh, you know, have some success and would even kind of uh, bolster that was as a group they won in double A and then as a group they won in triple A and you just knew it'd be sooner or later they got to the big leagues and they'd be ready to win too. So, um, you know, it was fun watching it. It was fun allowing it to develop. And uh, yeah, you're right. You know, Madison Bumgarner uh, was the one, if it wasn't for him, I believe we'd have two world championships. The thing that I respected about you guys so much as, you know, obviously the, the wild card game that we played against you guys is that your team was just relentless. And the one thing that I truly loved about your team, which unfortunately we're not seeing a lot in today's baseball, is guys putting the ball in play. Your team didn't strike out at all. You always put pressure on the defense. You always put the ball in play. Just talk about how that philosophy, it can still work. Oh, it, it definitely works. You know, the game's changed and the, the thinking has changed. Uh, in people's mindset that, you know, home runs are more valuable than uh, walks or, you know, singles. Uh, the, uh, you know, the shift is eliminated or, or really drawn back on, on singles. So, you know, that takes a lot of strategy out of the game. But, you know, we enjoyed playing the game, uh, you know, in that style. We enjoyed stealing bases. We enjoyed hitting running. Uh, we enjoyed uh, – looking for a fastball and putting it in play, not trying to, you know, get the pitcher's uh, pitch count up. You know, we felt like we had a bunch of good hitters on this club and get you a good fastball and, and turn it loose. And, you know, it was, it was amazing because opposing managers would get so frustrated with the fact that we would not strike out that, uh, you know, they could, they get into a situation where they didn't want us putting the ball in play and we put it in play all the time. So, you know, we, good things happen when you put it in play, you never know. And, uh, of course, even during the playoff run in 14 and 15, great things happened because we did put the ball in play. You know, you've crossed paths with Bob Melvin many times, and Melvin just passed Tony LaRussa for the all-time wins in Oakland A's history as a manager. Just talk about what you've seen from the other dugout going against the Bob Melvin team. Well, he um, he's a phenomenal 
you know, when they hired Bob Melvin, I just knew that was such a great pick. That might, you know, and you think about, you think about, you want a really good manager for your, for your hometown team. And my two hometown teams were Oakland and San Francisco. And, you know, deep down, I really wanted, uh, uh, you know, a good manager. And there was Bochi and with Bob Melvin, I just knew that both of those franchises, you know, were in great hands. I remember in high school sneaking into the Oakland Coliseum early. We'd hop the fence and hide in the bathrooms until BP started. And, uh, you know, we'd be running around getting home runs and getting balls in the stands. So, you know, the Oakland A's, uh, there's a lot of great memories and, you know, Bob Melvin's just a, a phenomenal, he's a great uh, tactician, he's a great strategist, he's a great, uh, he, he, you know, communicator, got tremendous character, he's just a perfect fit for that team. You know, to, to, to be in the game a long time, and I, I think about your career, whether it was, I mean, the Brewers, the Atlanta Braves, you had a long stint with the Braves. And then a long stint with the Kansas City Royals. And, you know, it, it, it's today, back in 2011, is when Bob Melvin got hired by Billy Bean to be the interim manager. And, of course, he's had the job for a long, long time. But, you know, they always talk about you're hired to be fired. What's the key for sticking around in one place a long time? You know, I, I think I think the key, of course, is is being prepared, which he always is. You know, being a very smart baseball guy, which he absolutely is, the ability to communicate your your vision, which he's always done. But, you know, I think more than anything else, the ability to adapt and evolve to today's player. And that is essential because, you know, players are, are different than they were when I came up. They're different than they were 10 years ago. And there's you know, when I played, there was no such thing as internet, cell phones, video games. You know, we played baseball every every day outside. That's what we did. But it's a different generation, and you have to be able to understand them. You got to be able to to communicate with them. And Bob Melvin does a, a phenomenal job with that. You know, he always deals with change. There's a lot of different change, uh, and that's what has made that organization so special and so successful you know, over the years is that they've got the ability to, you know, to, to, you know, be successful through change. And that's tough to do too. And, you know, Bob Melvin keeps all that in stride. And, uh, uh, you know, I think his ability to adapt today's player, though, is a, a great strength that he has. You were around such excellence in Atlanta. Uh, you think about Bobby Cox, the hall of fame manager, and you were around all those hall of fame pitchers. I mean, you can make a case. Greg Maddox is one of the greatest of all time. Uh, Smoltz, Glavin, every year you're winning. You won a World Series, but it seems like every year you're in the World Series. 14 straight years winning the division. Uh, your time in Atlanta, what was it like? Because I just view that era of baseball just true excellence from a pitching standpoint. Well, it absolutely was. And what I didn't understand that it was preparing me to you know, to manage for 17 years in the big leagues. And, you know, Bobby Cox had me as the bullpen coach for eight years. So I got to understand pitching. I got to understand pitching mechanics. I got to understand, uh, you know, a starter's mentality, a reliever's mentality, what to look for. And then four years as Bobby's third base coach. Uh, yeah. And you hit it on the head. He's a hall of fame manager to 
watch Bobby's every move managing a game and how he uh, interacts with his players and how he treats his players and how he treats the press. You know, that whole time for me, luckily, was the greatest experience that anybody could ever, uh, uh, you know, be lucky enough to get because I could draw back on all those experiences all that time uh, with those great players. I mean, three Hall of Famers, Smoltz, Glavin, Maddox, Bobby Cox, Leo Mazzoni, uh, Chipper Jones. You know, we just, Terry Pendleton, we just had a tremendous crew of championship players that you can, you can take a little bit from each one of them. And uh, in the end, it helped, me, uh, it helped me with my longevity, I do believe, as a, as a major league manager. Well, and, and I think, you know, one of the reasons why you guys had all that success in Atlanta was that they had a good time with it. You know, there seems like so many teams, they just grind and they don't look like they're having a good time. I know our players have a good time, but, I mean, here you had all those great pitchers and great players, but, you know, they're playing golf together. They're, they they were like brothers. Without a doubt. And, you know, that, that that's a special ingredient to winning. I mean, you have to have that. And I think that when we were uh, – you know, when we were playing really well in Kansas City, our boys just loved playing with each other. They loved playing for each other. They had fun every single day playing the game. And they loved to play the game to win. And they knew how to play the game to win. And, um, you know, it just it just made it special. It's so much – this game, even though it's the big league level, you should not play it any differently than you did when you were 12 or 14 years old. You should go out and it should – you know, you should understand that yeah, you're going to give everything that you got every single day, but this game is meant to be played with fun. You need to, you need to, you need to have fun, and don't put too much pressure on yourself. All you can do is go out and and give your best every single day, but it's got to be fun. And I think all of our players enjoyed it. I know Oakland players, uh, you know, good teams. That's the mark of a good team. You watch them, and if they if they've got good chemistry and they enjoy playing with each other, I guarantee you they're going to be a good team. How great is it for you to see your catcher, Salvador Perez, healthy again and playing like you know he can? Oh, it's phenomenal. You know, I got the major league package and, you know, I watch, I watch baseball, uh, you know, four or five times a, a week. And, uh, you know, to watch Salvi not only, you know, gold glove caliber catcher, but now offensively, he's just absolutely putting together a great year, another sil- a silver slugger type year. Uh, best offensive player at his position. So I know how hard he works. I know uh, his effort and his mindset uh, on how uh, how much of a team player he is. So it's just fantastic to see him doing so well. And Whit Merrifield, we, we've had him on the program. He's such a super guy. I know he's a great teammate. I wish he would have been there for the World Series, but uh, Whit, Whit is such a he, – he's kind of a throwback player, a guy that actually makes contact now. <laughs> Yeah, well, he's just a tremendous hitter, and you know, you know, I kind of pride myself, uh, you know, seeing a young player and being able to tell, you know, what type of career, what type of success they're going to have, at least to some degree. And you know, Wit was the one player in my career that I missed out on. You know, I just thought Wit would, you know, be a probably a pretty good little uh, utility player at the big league level. I didn't believe he would be an everyday player, let alone an All Star. And boy, did he prove me wrong, but. I think my only saving grace is it proved everybody else wrong too, because, you know, he could have been rule five twice uh, and nobody, nobody picked him up. So, um, you know, what a special talent, what a special 
you know, baseball player he is. And I guess the greatest compliment you can give anybody, and you can give it to Witt, is that he's just a baseball player. He goes out and plays the game hard. He plays the game successfully and plays the game right. Well, the Royals are hovering around 500, so at some point you either get away from that or you drop. We'll see what's going to happen with that. But uh, let's end on this. Looking back to your childhood and growing up in the Bay Area, which was your favorite A's team and which was your favorite A's player? Well, uh, you know, we had a bunch of them. But back in the, you know, I graduated in 72. So 70, 71, 72, the A's were, uh, you know, just dynamite. I loved, there were so many of them. I loved Gene Tennis. I loved Joe Rudy. Uh, probably, you know, Catfish Hunter, uh, Bert Campanaris. But my probably my, my all-time favorite was Sal Bando. You know, I just loved the way Sal played. And I was lucky enough to play with Sal in, in Milwaukee and get to know him. Uh, you know, it was kind of a dream come true for me. Um, you know, Sal was, Sal was the guy that I looked up to in, uh, in Oakland and Willie Mays was the guy I looked up to in San Francisco. So, um, you know, those were great teams at that time. They were, you know, that was when they were the, the, the invention of the DH and the orange baseball and the rabbit popping up behind home plate to give the balls. And, uh, you know, it was just a fun time, uh, to be an Oakland A fan because you know they they had their the the first time they really wore the you know the 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 colorful uniforms and most teams they just didn't do it at that time and uh you know they broke a lot of ground back in those days ned congratulations on a wonderful career a great baseball life you've earned this retirement enjoy it and let's talk later on during the season that'll be great Uh, that'll be great i love the bay area and uh, you know, always interested in uh, watching the Oakland A's. So I appreciate it. Ned is just living the dream right now. And now Luis Gonzalez, a five-time All-Star, senior advisor to the president and CEO of the Diamondbacks, was a great outfielder. And we always love having him on the program. And also one of the good friends of our skipper, Bob Melvin. Well, he's one of Bob Melvin's favorite players of all time. He's a World Series champion, a five-time All-Star. What a career. And doing a little TV tonight. Gonzo, how are you? Good. How are you doing? We, we, we are doing well as the A's, you know, hanging in first place. But obviously, it's going to be a dogfight. I don't know how much of you've gotten to see of the Houston Astros. But, boy, this has become a lot of fun to watch the Astros and to watch the A's go after each other. And as you know, there's no love loss there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I watch the Oakland A's quite a bit. Yeah, like you said, I'm a big fan of Bob Melvin's, and I love a couple of your players on the team. Your corner infield guys are phenomenal players, and uh, you know you got you got great players up and down that that uh, lineup. So it's one of my favorite American League teams to watch. Well, I got to tell you, Bob means so much to us here. I mean, he helped really change the entire organization and the culture in the organization, and he just passed Tony Larusa for all-time wins for an Oakland A's manager. And you think about that when he came, he he was the interim guy, and to now hold that record. Just talk about how special of a guy and a communicator Bob Melvin is. Boy, he really is. I mean, I was lucky to have him here in Arizona for a while, but uh, just the way he treats players, accountability, uh, what he expects from players and things like that. And and the players, you know, he earns their trust when they go out there and play. And 
And uh, that's the only thing you can ask for from a manager. And uh, the players know that he has their back each and every time they go out there. So they go out there and try to put extra effort to try to get him the wins each and every night. You know, and I think about your guys' great Arizona Diamondback teams where you just had, you know, multiple guys that are eventually will be in the Hall of Fame. Randy Johnson's already there. I think guys like yourself and Matt Williams got Hall of Fame votes. You had, you, you guys had a great team. but And I think about what Tony La Russa had. Tony La Russa had three MVPs. He had two Cy Young Award winners. He had three Rookies of the Year. Bob Melvin has had none of that. I mean, the way he is mixed and matched with so many different players, and as you know, most guys don't hang around Oakland that long. Just talk about that, like, that he hasn't had the star-studded Ricky Hendersons of the world. Yeah, and you, and you know what he does so well is he brings out the best in every player, especially the young players when they're getting there. He has a great mix of some younger veteran guys that have been there for a while, and they kind of teach the younger players, but – you're right, uh, you know, with the players that he has there, he's had some good ones, but uh, they're all very young when they get there. And by the time they're into the superstar age, it's usually time for them to move on and go somewhere else. And that's unfortunate uh, for a guy like him because he deserves to have, uh, you know, a steady core of guys there for, you know, 10 or 12 years that can win some championships. Yeah, because if he ever gets that, I think you could start making a case he could be a Hall of Fame manager. Well, he continues every year with whatever team that uh, they leave spring training with. They're always, if not at the top, they're near the top each and every year. And I know this year they got out of the gate a little slower than normal. But, uh, I mean, look at their record now. They're right back in the mix of things. And I don't think anybody was surprised. Uh, I think the only surprise was the way they got out of the gates. But where they're at right now, I don't think it's any surprise to anybody that's been around the game of baseball for a while. You know, we had Jed Lowry on recently, and he talked about how this might be the toughest time ever to be a hitter. We know baseball is looking into this spider tack. It's hard to believe that this substance that you can get on Amazon for fourteen ninety nine, and if you're an Amazon uh, uh, Plus member, you'll you'll have it by tomorrow. But this spider tack, and we're talking about sunscreen and everything. What do you think as a hitter with all the stuff pitchers are doing to the baseball right now? Well, I know everybody's paying more attention to spin rate and all. I mean, there's so much analytics going into the game right now. It's just, it's it's changed uh, the way I think. I think pitchers is in cold weather. I want them to have a good grip on the baseball. Believe me, I don't like that high and tight, especially nowadays where guys are throwing extremely harder than uh, what they did when I first came in the game. There was only a handful of guys throwing mid to upper 90s. And now it seems like everybody, starters, relievers, everybody's throwing 90-plus miles an hour. So, um, you know, I, I think eventually baseball will figure this out. I know they've had committees, and they're trying to figure out what they want to do exactly. But um, I, I'm glad that I'm not in the game anymore, that I have to deal with it or worry about any of that stuff. Was there ever a time when a guy was pitching against you and he and he did something so nasty you went, wait a minute, <laughs> I'm not, how is he making the ball move like that? Yeah, I mean, there's there's times where you just question certain pitches that move a different way or not. But, um, I, I you know, I think guys have always, especially pitchers, have found a way to try to get some kind of tackiness on their fingers because of the simple fact of, you know, they're constantly sweating. They have that rosin bag back there to kind of create some type of tackiness. But, I mean, there's been pitchers that have used different uh, substances like the bullfrog, the, the sun spray, and everything like that. 
I mean, they all experiment to see what'll work for them to see if they can get a better grip on the baseball. I honestly don't have a problem with it because, um, you know, like I said, I, I prefer them to have uh, control with whatever they're throwing, especially with the speeds that they're throwing now. You know, we had Tori Lovello on the show today along with yourself, and, you know, he's such a good guy. We got to meet him down in San Diego at the winter meetings, and since then, he's like the only manager that wants to do the the Google Meets and be on video, and, and we're rooting for him. I know it's a, a rough year, especially been rough on the road, but just talk about what a good guy he is, the guy who's leading the Diamondbacks. Yeah, he really is. He's a guy that, uh, you know, his door, he has the open door policy, just as Bob Melvin does. These guys are always welcome to come in there. Um, this year has been a little bit tougher on not only him, but the whole team. We've had uh, four-fifths of our pitching staff go down with injuries. Um, we've just had a plethora of guys get out of the gate slow. Um, some of our superstar everyday guys have been hurt. So, and they just really haven't been on track. I mean, now we've, We've, uh, you know, broken a, uh, a road losing streak record right now going into Oakland, and they just uh, haven't seemed to find a way to win games on the road. We haven't won a road game since April 25th. That's when oh. Bumgarner threw the seven-inning uh, so-called no-hitter that everybody was talking about, whether it was a no-hitter or not. That seems like it was years ago, <laughs> and uh, that was the last time that our team has won a game on the road, so it's been a while. Well, we know you're doing TV tonight, but we also know once uh, COVID ends, you're going to get back on the road helping a lot of these young Diamondbacks. And I, I'm just so thankful that they're playing again. I mean, it was so sad for some of these guys to lose a year of their career. I mean, you only get so many years to prove yourself and try and get to the big leagues. Just for you personally, how great will it be for you to get back out on the road and to help these young guys try and live their dream? Oh, absolutely. I have a younger son who plays in the San Francisco Giants organization yeah. where last year just sitting around at home not being able to do anything and trying to stay, uh, you know, ahead of the curve and, and, you know, you're not seeing live hitting, you're working out and things like that. So it's it's been a tough year and I mean, you're seeing it now even with big leaguers. The injuries have just been unbelievable throughout the major leagues and in the minor leagues of some of these guys just going down uh, because of the simple fact that they've you know, taking a full year off in the minors and some of these big leaguers now they're taxing themselves a little bit more. I think now uh, last year's season would have been over. I mean, we're, we're at the 60 game mark right now, a little bit past it. So this was a full season last year. So now it's going to be a little bit tougher for these guys to see the uh, durability and the endurance that uh, hopefully they can maintain. You ever want to get Bob Melvin going around here, all you got to do is bring up your guys' 2001 Arizona Diamondbacks team that won the World Series, one of the greatest World Series of all time. And uh, last time we played you guys, he was on a Zoom call. Mark Grace got in on the Zoom call. It's just that group, I mean, you won, you, you beat the big, big bad Yankees, and that group, even to this day, you, just talk about how you guys are still all really tight. Yeah, it's an incredible group of guys. And I think if you look at the roster up and down, I would say about 85 to 90% of each and every one of those players are still involved in the game of baseball, whether it's professionally or in the college ranks. Uh, and some, a couple uh, high school coaches, everybody is from this team. It was a baseball team. Everybody loved the game, still involved in the game somehow, some way. So uh, when we got to the ballpark, it was all about baseball, finding a way. To, uh, to beat the opponent that night. And if we got beat, 
we were, as soon as that game was over, we try to put it behind us and figure out a way how we're going to get them the next day. So it was a fun bunch of guys. We had a great uh, group of coaches and managers on that team. And Bo Mel was one of those guys. And uh, it's a great fraternity that we have. I have the utmost respect for him and his family. And I love him dearly, just like, uh, like a brother. Well, I, and I think about you. You know, you have one of the biggest hits in the history of baseball and off the arguably one of the greatest pitchers of all time in baseball. How often do people bring that up to you? Well, in Arizona, quite a bit because, <laughs> uh, you know, until this year now where the Phoenix Suns are really playing well right now in the playoffs, uh, we haven't had a, uh, a team make a good run uh, in postseason. So, um, it, it, you know, it's it's a blessing. I played on a fantastic uh, team, and uh, I was fortunate enough to be put into that situation and be able to come through and, and get a hit off of Mariano to win the World Series. But, I mean, you don't do it by yourself. Um, we had a great bunch of guys, and, uh, you know, it's something that I'll never forget. Great group of guys. I love each and every one of those guys. And now it's 20 years later, and uh, we're still talking about it. So uh, that means that we did something special here in the state of Arizona. Yeah, no doubt. And I know during COVID and during that layoff, you guys were celebrating the team, and Bob was doing TV down in Arizona. It was fun to watch. Uh, let's end on this because my producers really wants me to ask you this. Why is Bob Melvin afraid of clowns? <laughs> um, I, You know what? I, I really don't know. I, I remember uh, – <laughs> His uh, his one of his first years with Oakland when he had just left the Diamondbacks, I uh, we were at lunchtime and I decided that I wanted to get some clowns to go over the uh, the dugout of the Oakland A's. We were playing in Tucson <laughs> at the time during spring training, and uh, I picked up the phone and I called this uh, this shop and I said, "Hey, I need to order, a, uh, you know." three or four clowns. And the guy's like, sir, we don't just have clowns sitting around here at the office. So I said, I'll pay you guys double, whatever you can do. So the owner of the shop, his wife, and then another couple uh, dressed up as clowns and went out there. And uh, we didn't see Bo Mel just about the whole game. He was in the corner of the dugout. So um, <laughs> it, it was so much fun. And I think that day we had a bench clear too, if I can recall. So it was just a hectic day. I was doing it just to try to, you know, you know, have fun with him. I love him so much that, uh, you know, it's something that was pretty funny at the time, but then it ended up being a little bit more of a, uh, a heads up game after a while. And then I said, pull the clowns. Cause this game got serious out there in spring training. Well, I tell you what, you know, you got juice when you can pull clowns out of nowhere. <laughs> I paid for it. Believe me, when my wife saw the credit card bill, she wasn't too happy about it. <laughs> hey, you're the best. We always appreciate your time and have a great call. Let's talk later in the season. You got it, Chris. Anytime. Appreciate it. Well, that'll do it for A's Unfiltered. We want to thank Tori Lovello, Ned Yost, and Luis Gonzalez. Now, back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.